If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Hi, Friday, Friday, Friday. It's here and so are we. How about that? I'm Myrna Thatcher. And, Annette and, Smith. and she's Annette Smith. And we are here on Friday. And we want to thank Grangeville Christian Church for allowing us to use their services here. And um, anything you want to say, Annette? Um, it's been a hectic week. It has been a hectic week. But God brought us through it. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a good thing, huh? Well, we said if he brings you to it, he'll bring you through That's it. right. That's right. And we want to say hi to all our Facebook people. And again this week, you don't see us. Yeah. Yeah. I think we look, I think actually we look a little bit better this week. I feel we, better this week. Well, yeah, you do. But I think we look really good this week. If people think that's us. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the one with the brownish colored hair. <laughs> okay. Well, then I'll take the black hair. Yeah. 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 But I you notice they're both dressed in my favorite color. I know. I know. I'm the oddball out today. Yeah. So, all right. Um, numbers obviously aren't in this week because it's too soon, but numbers will not be in next week because we know that um, our boss is going to be on vacation. So, But he needs to take a break. He needs to take a break. I only told him he needed to take a break and come over here. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. Well, I know so, that, all right. I so. still told him it. Mm-hmm. And next week, next Tuesday, the 17th, just for everybody that is um, – is up on with us is that Levi, we will be going to the parole hearing. So pray. And so next Friday we will tell you the results and we can do that because Levi's given us in, in, permission to do so. So and go to our donation and everybody donate a dollar. To That's us. right. Everybody. Abadaddygirls.com is our website and you can go to, there's a donate page there and you can click on that and it's set up with PayPal and you can click one five twenty or another amount. All we're asking is for a dollar. That's it. Because we did, we walked, stepped out on faith again and going to renew our contract for three, for three months. Okay. Now let's get down to today's topic down and dirty, right? Okay. Coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> oh, it wasn't. Annette needs, you need to adjust your mic, please. Okay. Sorry. Because Annette's not sitting here beside me today. She's across okay. the room. Is that better? So maybe. Okay, so, alrighty, so now we're going to get in and do what we're going to do today, and that is, we're going to talk about domestic violence. That's what I was getting ready to say. Uh-huh. I was going to say it starts with a D, doesn't it? Not uh-huh. a C. <laughs> so, anyway, and as we did research, I, I, it's, it, we learned some stuff, and that is the fact that there's a new name out there for it. Intimate, yeah. intimate partner violence. So... An average of 20 people experience intimate partner violence every minute in the United States. 10 million abuse victims a year. Mm-hmm. That means that by the end of this show, 1,200 people, 200 people will have been a, a victim of domestic violence just with just the time in this show. That's, I did my math last night. It was late, but wow, that's a lot of people just within this hour, 1,200 people. Yeah, it's sad, isn't it? It is sad. It is sad. Um, and domestic violence is, I think we should probably define it, don't you? Yes. Okay. The willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other abusive behavior as part of a syst- systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. So I went into the Idaho statutes last night and I took Idaho's definition of what an intimate partner is. And it is, it is, which one is it? <laughs> Annette and I are sitting apart from Oh, wait a minute. minute. Idaho law defines intimate partners as a person who is a spouse, former spouse, 
or a person who has a child in a common regardless in common regardless of whether they have been married or a person who with person with whom a person is co- cohabitating whether or not they have been married or have held themselves out to be husband or wife mm-hmm. yeah. so that's what that's what Idaho law says and they're not any different than any other state at this point right so so if you're a spouse former spouse Someone you have a child with, I thought that was interesting. And married or unmarried or cohabitating. So you, did you know that one in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner? One in three women. That didn't surprise me, but one in four men. And So it seems like men are starting to catch up with women. It's starting to get reported. Right. It's, that's the whole difference yeah. right there. It's starting to get reported. Yeah, because men usually don't like to admit it. That's right. One in three female murder victims and one in 20 male victims are killed. All right. So then I went and I started searching about, and that's in the United States. And then I started looking at Idaho statistics. All right. So we all know that, well, we don't all know, but we know that Idaho has always been for many, 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 many years. And that's one of the reasons why God moved us to Idaho, a high suicide rate, especially up here and north into towards Canada high suicide they've been in the top 10 Mm -hmm, exactly well we also have I don't also has a higher average rate of intimate partner murder suicide wow okay so in 2018 there was 17 deaths 2017 17 2016 10 and 2015 6 so it went from 6 10 17 and 17 in 2018 every year it goes up it does Mm mm-hmm yeah. Except for 17 and 18 stayed the same. Mm-hmm. So murder suicides here in Idaho. So Idaho is very um, up there in ranking in that, unfortunately. However, it does not rank in the top 10 in the United States as being um, the worst places for um, domestic violence or intimate partner violence to occur. It does not rate mm-hmm. in that, which I was surprised to be honest with you. I wasn't. I kind of knew which one did, but it wasn't because of studying. It's just because I, I knew what went on in, mm-hmm. in the other one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was glad that we weren't in that top 10. It's unfortunate we're in that on, to do with suicide. So, yeah. But domestic violence, intimate partner violence, that's what we're talking about today. So, Miss Annette. And we have some special guests today yes, we that we'd like to welcome to our show which is the ones that you will be seeing, you see, you see, in our camera that we had heck to put up today. And they are, both of them are survivors from domestic violence, which I thank God they survived it because some people don't. And which one of you is Christy? Yep. Yeah, you. And then Tina. Yes. And they're going to tell their story and talk about things you can do to maybe or places you can go where you don't have to stay in that because the sooner you get out of it, the better. Mm-hmm. So, so whichever one you want to start, go ahead. You can. You need the mic, so you just need to hold it. Yeah. I am. I know. That's All okay. right. Well, I'm Christy, um, and I am a survivor. Um, where do I begin? So I think my story really begins when I was 24. And, um, you know, uh, I, I just thought that it was just normal. I, it was normal to be treated bad and talked to bad, but, uh, it was a really, really bad night. And I had a double barrel shotgun held up to my throat. And uh, all I could think about was, wow, I might be fat and stupid and ugly and worthless and no good. And, but I, even I don't deserve this. And then uh, when my son was like knocking on the door, I was like, wow, I really have to do something different. So um, I'm 24 and uh, my boys are two and four years old. And uh, I, met a woman at the Rose Advocates. Her name was Mary Rose. And she helped me get a protection order. And she helped me through the process. And uh, it took me over a year and a half to get a divorce. Uh, cause how, long? how long? How long did you stay in the, 
in the abusive relationship? Um, well, we were married and I had a two and four year old. We were together about seven years. Okay. And um, it was the shotgun to the throat that was like, wow, you know, I can, I can live in a house where there's holes in the doors. And um, that was a normal thing for me. That's kind of how I grew up and being yelled at and, and talked down to and treated that way. But um, the shotgun was what was my kicker. So I just, I left then, but I couldn't, I was uh, in rural Idaho and the cops were 30 minutes away. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I couldn't stay there. And then um, the judge was my husband's uncle's brother uh, in Washington County. And he ordered me to stay within a hundred mile radius of Washington County in which he also ordered me to drive the children back to Washington County every other weekend for visitation. So, um, that was a huge, huge struggle. Um, and in that year of struggling and, and fighting and getting legal aid and jumping through all the hoops and going to the Women's Children Alliance in Boise and, and doing, doing classes, um, I was able to get legal aid and we started the process of my divorce, which was a year, over a year and a half long. But uh, at his second attempt at uh, taking me out was uh, driving in a car, crashing into the side of my car. I was talking on the phone to 911. He was waving his pistol at me and James and uh, my kids were in the car with me. And uh, anyway, so after that second incident, the judge uh, signed my divorce. And so I was really, really free. So I had full custody of both of the boys. And uh, did he have visitation after that? Uh, it was supervised um, after passing a drug test. So uh, he didn't see the boys uh, very much for a long time. So thank God for that. Yeah, they were safe. So did you ever, before the shotgun and before the car incident, did you ever think I need to leave or I want to leave or I should leave? I really didn't. I thought it was normal. I thought okay. that um, I, I had grew, grew up in a, in an environment where it was normal for fighting and bickering and, and, uh, and abuse. Uh, I knew that I wouldn't take abuse. And um, up until that point, he had never put his hands on me. Oh, okay. So it was just verbal and emotional and controlling, you know, taking the battery out of the car. So I'd be stuck at home, isolating me, um, doing those kind of things. So, you know, I'm stuck at home with, with a, a little child and then I'm pregnant and I can't even go to the hospital if I need to, because he's disarmed the cars. And Did you ever think that so, he'll change? Um, I, I thought it would get better, but up until the, the incident, uh, I just tried my best to, you know, cook the right meals and do the right things and keep the house clean and, and have, have, a, you know, just do the things that I thought would make him happy. So I just sacrificed everything about who I was, mm -hmm. um, to try to salvage our relationship. Lose your identity for him. Completely. Mm -hmm. So it's lies we tell ourselves when we're married to an abuser. Yeah. How many times did he tell you he was sorry? He won't do it again. Oh, I don't even know. No. Not too many to count. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. When you're in an abusive relationship, the abuser controls you. You don't control him. Yeah. And they do control you with the pity story or the demanding ordering story or the control stories. Yep. It all comes down to power and control. Mm -hmm. So, and so I'm, I'm guessing that he had power in finances. Um, he had the job. Mm -hmm. So he was the, the, the breadwinner, um, but I got to pay the bills. So um, I was always on top of that. Like, That's good. So, I mean, did he ever tell you that he'd kill you if you left? Nope. I didn't have that one. I'll get into good. that with Tina. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually lucky that, um, and uh, Mary Rose with the Rose Advocate said, wow, you're a success story because, you know, this was my first incident, my first protection order, and I went out and I, I didn't look back. I didn't go back. I mean, the average woman goes back seven times, yep. you know, and I didn't go back. Um, I've just kept moving forward and, um, so and what, raising my kids. So and what kept you from going back? The gun. The, the gun, the shotgun. I knew in that moment, that moment, um, I knew 
that I, I can't, I will never, ever, ever do this again. But you know, when I asked you that, if he ever said that he'd kill, kill you if, if you left, he did. Yeah. Well, he put not, a gun to your throat. Not with words. No, but, yeah. but with actions, yep. he did. Yeah. And you knew it. Oh, I, I didn't think that I was going to, mm-hmm. to be able to raise my children. I mean, I, I lived in fear. I, when I was, I was in my 20s and I um, completely had everything set up for my kids that a living will and everything just in case he did kill me. Like I thought that he was going to kill me. Because there's a saying out there that actions speak louder than words. Yes. Those actions spoke pretty loud to you. Yes, they did. So. So where did you get the courage? I mean, did your family help you? I moved in with my grandmother and she was a huge help. And then I got this apartment. We called it the moldy apartment. The moldy apartment. <laughs> well, when we moved out, there was mold behind the dressers. Oh. And we didn't know. And um, so it was the moldy apartment. Uh-huh. And we lived there. And then I bought my first home. And um, and how did you manage that? Um, I, well, it, it was God. Okay. It was a huge, huge blessing. Uh, we're in this apartment and uh, Jesse, my youngest son, was always getting sick. And so I got in the phone book and I called the first bank that I saw, which was a first security bank. And I mm-hmm. called them and I said, hey, what do I have to do to buy a home? And Sean Crawford was the loan op- officer who I spoke to. And I kind of told him my story. And he says, Christy, um, in the Boise Valley, uh, one bank every year, uh, gives a loan. And I think that you would qualify for this loan. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah. So I came, I went down and I met with him and I had to take like six or eight weeks worth of classes on finance and they qualified me for the loan and I was able to buy my first home. Awesome. Yeah. So it was just a total blessing, just a total blessing. And the home I have now has been a total blessing as well. Cool. Yeah. So did did your um, ex-husband ever threaten the boys? Abuse the boys? No. Good. No. He he saved that for me. Mm. So. And then they, they were two and four when I left. Mm-hmm. And then he's not ever really had a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So. Kind of grew up with that void. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. Yeah. In a way, it's too bad. And in a way, they were protected. They were. They were protected from him. Mm-hmm. So. so. All right. So how, um, what is one thing you would tell somebody that, you know, that because you are, you are a success story. You are unique. But you, does that mean that you are, I don't want to say stubborn, but <laughs> headstrong, that when you set a goal, that's it? Well, I think that, um not everybody has the opportunity to see their life before their eyes. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're in an abusive relationship for long enough, you lose your value and your self-worth to the point that you think that you just deserve this or you can't ever do better. And um, I would tell anybody that I talk to, you don't deserve that. And you do deserve to be loved and respected and cherished. And, um, there's, there's people out there that'll help you. There's resources that will help you. And you're worth it. Mm-hmm. You're worth it. And so are your kids. I pulled most of my strength from my kids because I didn't want them to grow up the way I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to pull that. And um, just being very blessed by amazing people that came into my life and came beside me and walked with me through my story, um, that was a huge, huge blessing as well. Did you get counseling with the kids? I did. Good. Yes. Me and the kids all got counseling. We got signed up with Crime Victims Compensation. And um, we went through years of counseling. And it was in Boise. And um, yeah. So when we come back from break, we will continue this conversation about intimate partner violence. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. 
The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. Find it today. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. All righty. We are back from break. We've been talking with Christy, and she's kind of shared her story and, and how kind of I think the Lord just let her out of it and guided her out and blessed her with um, a house and a job and everything else and family support your grandmother. That was awesome. That was awesome. Um, if you don't mind me saying this, asking this, um, where was your family of origin? Where was your parents with all of this? Um, wanting to be uninvolved. Uh, really? My mom lived out of state and uh, my dad uh, didn't really want to be involved. Okay. So he helped when he could, but yeah. So did you feel like abandoned? <laughs> my whole life. Mm. Which is why I got into a relationship with someone who, you know, he was my first love, my high school oh. sweetheart. So he, you know, the first person that pays attention to you yep. when you grow up in an abusive family or neglected or abandoned, um, mm-hmm. you just lob onto that. Any kind of love you feel is better than no love. Mm-hmm. And so not having a healthy relationships in my childhood is what affected me and what, why, how I got headed down the wrong road. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you for answering that. I know, I know I don't want to get too personal and too pushy, but you know, I, it was a question that I had in my head and I'm, if I have it, probably other people have it. Listeners, our listeners have it. So anything? Uh, okay. okay. All right. So Miss Tina, I'm going to, Miss Tina, go ahead and tell us your story. <laughs> kind of share with us what you're comfortable sharing. If you're not, then don't share oh, everything. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> You're an open book? Yes. Okay, well. Um, wow. Uh, I've been through several uh, domestic abusive relationships. Um, one of them in particular when I was 19, um, he tried to kill me, um, strangle me to death. And then I was in that for five to six years. Why'd you, why'd you stay? Um I was really manipulated by him. I was lost. And I, you know, when you're young, that young, Mm -hmm. 19, when you meet a 31 year old, Mm -hmm. you're just, you don't know what the truth is. I grew up very Mm -hmm. strong Christian family. So, you know, my dad was a pastor and stuff like that. So it was so um, ingrained in me to just trust people and give them benefit of the doubt, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I had never seen that evil stuff except for with a family member of mine was pretty mean to me growing up my mom um but we're past that now but it was one of those things that we just fought all the time so I was used to it you know and and, um 
And then I got into that. It was easy for me. I just was like, oh, okay, this is normal. And then I got out of that. And wait a minute. Did your parents know that he was this way with you? Yeah, my dad did. And it was actually during the Nicole Simpson and OJ Simpson. Oh, wow. And my dad was so angry because he saw us. Mm -hmm. I was a blonde and he was mixed race. And he literally looked so much like him too, that everybody was like, this is scary. Tina's in this situation. It's like, what's going on right now in the world. And so my dad, you know, was pretty really upset. He wanted to come and save me, but I was down in Eugene, Oregon. And he just knew all he could do was just pray for me. Mm-hmm. That's because he didn't want to get violent <laughs> himself mm-hmm. <laughs> and take some action, but he could never do that. Um, and I got away. It was only by, it was, it, I mean, that whole story in itself was a miracle that I got out. So how did you get out? I literally remember it was the last straw. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I was so ill, sickly, skinny, and, and people could tell my skin color wasn't right. And um, I finally just, he left, he was going to party, doing drugs with his friends, like bad stuff. And sleeping around I found out later he had slept with over 200 women while we were together in six years wow and he beat me up a lot and then manipulated me and mental abuse and then finally one day I just I went into the bedroom shut the door and I lay I cried out to God and I just told him I said you either take my life or I'm going to take it today Mm. at this moment and I couldn't deal with it anymore I was I was tired of it, mm-hmm. the drama and just scared walking on eggshells every day. And I was so um, messed up in the head. I couldn't think straight. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even focus on getting out. I went and talked to some like the 800 numbers for domestic violence and stuff. And one gal spent one night with me, like two hours talking to me about it. And that kind of helped me, but did he know you were making those phone calls? Oh, he knew I went to a domestic violence support group and he didn't even care. He didn't, was, he didn't try to stop you or mm-mm. so he didn't have a reputation to, um, to protect. No, he, he everybody knows, uh, like people knew him. He was pretty well known. He was a pretty big model and Nike and, and, uh, he, he made some, bad decisions when he was younger, like drugs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And everybody knew who he was. And so I think he, you know, had this persona of like, he was a big shot, but yet behind closed doors, I think some men knew, but no one really truly knew uh, until I came along because I wasn't afraid to say something, even though I knew it was, (laughs) I was in it. I just didn't know how to get out of it Mm -hmm. fully because I left him 11 times. Wow. In six years. Mm-hmm. And where did you go when you left him? To my parents' house. Um, I moved to clear to Texas. He drove all the way out to get me when I got manipulated back to go to, you know, be with him again. Um, the last straw when I was cried out, uh, you know, all most of it was going to my mom's or my, or my dad's, my, my parents' house. And then the, the others were just like friends or, uh, so a coworker or something like that, just, you know, telling me, come live with us, come live with us, you know, get out of there. Um, cause they'd seen bruises on me. One of them took a bunch of pictures of bruises all over my neck, my body just scratches my hair. I had patches of hair missing where he pulled my hair out. Um, but he had, he'd pretty much, um, wouldn't touch my face cause he knew that would get seen by people too well. Yeah. And, um, but the last straw with him was, you know, just that he left to go to party. And I, and I remember I called my dad and we prayed and he had a feeling that that could have been the last phone call. He knew it. Um, he had a bad feeling. That's why he called me. So he told me he started praying and stuff and I just got off the phone and that's when I went into my room and told God, what for? Cause I was pretty mad. I was like, I can't do this. And, um, all of a sudden, two seconds later, a friend of mine calls from California and she just said to me, you need 
to come and stay with me and my husband. And he was just talking about it. And we were just talking about it. I'm like, whoa, only God can do that. And then he, um, and then, so she was like, we got a bus ticket already for you. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Why? (laughs) You know? And I said, okay, I need this. I just prayed this, you know, and this was a door open. And then she ended up telling me how um, they had been talking about it for a while, but they just didn't know how to reach out to me. She had sent me a letter, but she was like, I just need to call her for some reason right now. And so she did. And then, um, and then I, I was like, I got to get my stuff out of this house and get everything packed up and moved out. I don't know when he's coming home. And I was scared. And then I hang up with her and I told her I'll call her back, let her know what's going on. And she wanted me to know that I was safe. And then the next day, or like two seconds later, I go to lift up the phone and the gal that I was working with, a coworker, she was on the other line. We both didn't even dial the phone yet. I was like, okay, this is so weird. This is so God too. (laughs) And I, at this point, I was just shocked. I couldn't believe that this was happening. And, you know, for all the heaviness I was living through for six years, you know, and um, she was like, that's weird. My husband was just telling me I needed to call you and check in on you and see how you're doing. Cause I was living with them for a little while at one point, but he found me and they ended up um, asking me to come over to their house. They were going to um, bring their pit. Her husband just so happened to be home that night from work with his pickup and they went over <laughs> to... He just happened to be home. Yeah. He was supposed to work for... Divine invention. Yeah. And she came over and we just threw everything in the back of the pickup and took off. And I didn't look back. And then another weird thing happened. I had my car. I'm like, I can't... He has my car right now. He's driving around town without a license, without insurance, except for my insurance. And he took my car to go party. Well, I get to my friend's house the next morning and that night I was just like, I'm like, this is crazy. God, this is so awesome. And then my friend said, what are you going to do about your car? And then boom, I remember when I went to go get my car without my boyfriend that day, I asked the car dealership guy, I said, Hey, um, or he had said, I have a bad feeling. And he is like, I don't know why, but, and he's, I don't even know if he was a Christian or not, but he just said, I just feel like I need to let you know if anything ever happens down the road, call me. If you have an issue with your car, like you can't pay for it or something happens, let me know. I'm like, what? And that was like four years before, but it came back to my memory. And so I called the car dealership. He goes, yep, I remember. And he's like, what's going on? And I told him and he's like, okay, we're going to come take care of it. And so they came out and picked up my car the next day and got my car for me. And, um, and yeah, so like all these little details were just getting taken care of because I was, my brain was not working and God just took care of it. And yeah, I got on the bus like a couple days later and, and he was he was calling my friend's house because he found out where I was. That was the house where, you know, he found me before. But I told him, I was like, I don't know. Did you just not pay the car bill anymore? <laughs> they must have came and got it then. Because <laughs> I was the one working. He never worked. One of those. <clears throat> so when someone says there is no God, what do you say? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, there is. <laughs> I'm like. I've been, I've, I mean, you know, there's been an attempt on my life so many times in my life, you know, and you're still here. and I'm still here. Yeah. Okay. And when someone says that, you know, God does have our days picked out for us and someone says, that's not true. You can die before God's plan. Is that, what are you going to say about that? I, I say no, because I know my, his plan was for me to do, to meet Christy to for us to put our heads together and pray together and and find out what God wants us to do or whose life we're going to impact or help because I've I've helped just friends I've known over the years get out you know and and that was just my nature to do that but 
now it's like, I, I know I went through all this stuff for a reason. You know, my last one was just a few months ago and, you know, is going to court. He wants to go to trial when he literally told the cops that he was going to kill me. <laughs> well, some people don't have too much sense, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so what you said, your last one, how many have you had? Um, three that were physical and mental. And then the couple in between were mentally abusive. I was married twice. One was the first one was a cop. And then the second one was, I don't know, when did we get divorced? 2015. And we were together for like seven years. And that was like psychological, like the kind of like the, he was a bully in high school. And mm-hmm. so we kind of still had that little bully personality mm-hmm. with me, like, oh my gosh, your legs are so fat, you know, little things like that just picked at you and made fun of you in front of friends and things like that. So it was, I needed to get out of there. I had gained a lot of weight with that guy and I never, I was always a fit person mm-hmm. in the past. And so, yeah, he really messed me up mentally. So if he said, if he criticized you for, um, for being fat, you just self-fulfilled prophecy for mm-hmm. him? For you, yeah. well, I'll show you fat, huh? Yeah, that's what I did. I was like, well, whatever. I'm just gonna go have a beer because that's <laughs> what I feel like right now, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And he was a police officer. No, my first husband. Your first was. husband. Yeah, okay. he was a police officer. He uh, was a cheater. Mm. So, um, uh, with a gal, it was 11 years young. Well, no, it's like 13, 14 years younger than him. They're married. Not too long after we got divorced, like a few months. Like, hmm, how long has this been going on? (laughs) (laughs) Knew each other pretty well to get married that quick. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, yeah, and the recent, um, well, and then I was uh, with a Marine, and we're um, NCIS and all that got involved. And so I'm going to have to go to court with that. Gosh. They're going to know you real well in court, aren't they? (laughs) I'm learning. So what do you have, a lawyer on speed dial? I don't. I really don't. It was the first time to get my protection order just recently. It was the first time I've ever been in court. I didn't know what it was like. I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, what's happening right now? You know, I'm just scared. Protect me. Mm -hmm. But see, all those things give you experience to help other women. Yeah. And men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. this is all just training ground for what mm-hmm. I have to go to the big time Marine court. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So. Okay. So, well, you could, one of my favorite shows was in CIS. So I know it is my favorite too. Really? <laughs> yeah, I love that show. You, you can just, Hey, you might be one I'm of the. I'm just going to learn them. Yeah. <laughs> learn everything on there. That's right. Well, you might be, be your story might be a show one day, huh? right? <laughs> my, yeah, who knows? Know. <laughs> Write them and tell them, hey, I got a good story. Yeah, I got a good one for you. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was that. How long were you with the current guy that now that you have a restraining order against? Um, I was with them from November of last year up so, until end of June. Okay, so about six or seven months. Yeah. Okay. My so. daddy has always said, you know, the true nature of someone in six months. The mm-hmm. truth always comes out. And six months. Well, you both of them, the Marine and him, were at right at six month okay. mark. Well, when we come back from break, we'll talk about the six month break. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God 
and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. Find it today. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. All right. We so appreciate Christy and Tina coming in today and sharing their stories because it's, you know, it's kind of tough to relive some of that. And we, I mean, just the rawness of it and the openness that they've shared with us um, today. And we definitely, definitely appreciate um, their honesty. And um, Tina, it's still raw. Mm-hmm. I, I see the emotion. Mm-hmm. And um, well, it's not over with her. Yeah. It, this one's still going. Yeah. Still going. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to hug her. So, um, yeah. What What would you say? I know it during break we said something, but and that I, you know, what would you say to others in your situation? Mm, there's um, there's no reason to stay. There's no reason whether you have kids or not. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a hard time getting a lot of help for a long time because I didn't have kids. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a safe house to go to because there was, because I didn't have kids. They only helped people with kids. So for a long time, that's kind of why I stayed with that guy for the longest time, the first one. And, um, and I've seen my friends go through it and they had kids and they were getting help and I was helping them. Like, you know, encouraging them to get out and get away. But, you know, there's, you just got to realize that you don't deserve it. I think one of the things I always hear is I was so close to my daddy that I just hear his voice telling me that you don't deserve bad things. You don't deserve this. God has a plan for you. He has something greater, something bigger than you could ever imagine, you know, and I kept saying that to myself and in the last couple guys I'm like I'm not going back to that one where I was there for six seven years to you know the last two were last lasted six months because I'm like that's it I'm done I'm not going through this mm-hmm. for years of my life ever again and I'm like I know God has somebody better I know he's out there just got to get through this shut all this yuckiness off <laughs> and take care of it you know and make them pay for the consequences, you know, what they've done, you know, to me. Um, but I, you know, I, I, that's the whole thing. It's like, I wish women would just realize how much um, more strength they have within them if they could realize it. And, you know, for me, whether they're Christian or not, it's just like reaching out and just saying, God, I can't do this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and he always <laughs> answered. He, <laughs> he kept showing up for me with her and I, you know, little things here and there that I needed or food and like the women that we're surrounded with now. I mean, mm-hmm. it was way better than the group that I had in Eugene. Mm-hmm. This group is amazing. And I just, it, it changed my life. So the relationship brought you here to Grangeville? Mm-hmm. So that was a good thing, huh? Yeah. That was a blessing. Yeah. And she knew him too, like <laughs> in the past. And so I was like, this is crazy, you know, that it just... Yeah, I don't know how, like, it just brought us together. It just, it was meant to be, like, we knew right away. We totally knew right away that we were 
we were just kind of blown away at first. Like, this is crazy. Like, it's like we kind of know each other, like sisters completely. And so, yeah, and we just are there for each other and, you know, support one another and, yeah, pray for each other mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> All things work out for the good of those that trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So I'd like to add. If that's okay, mm-hmm. you, that there are resources and there are people out there who care. And um, as women, we're stronger when we stand together. And we have an amazing support group, an amazing group of women. And we're just getting stronger and growing every day. So what's your support group? It's a it's an empowerment group for women. And so I'm an advocate now. So full circle. So Mm -hmm. 16 years later, now I'm helping women get free. I'm helping them break free and helping them find their worth and their value and learn about who they are. And because, you know, that old saying, you know, you can't love somebody unless you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And um, being uh, a woman who's completely detached from their own spirit and being abused uh, doesn't know how to love themselves. And so we have an opportunity to do that. And we have an amazing support group on Tuesdays right here in our little town of Grangeville. And um, we just, it's, it's great. This is an amazing group because the, I mean, I've seen others and I've been around others, but this group for us was for me, it was like, God knew I needed these type of women. Mm -hmm. I know that we've all kind of have similar stories and, you know, honestly, abuse is abuse is abuse. And when it's, whether it's verbal, physical, mental, exactly, it's there. It's still it's abuse, abuse. Yeah. and I think we forget that. You know, well, you know, well, he didn't beat her. You know, mm-hmm. well, yeah. you know that mental stuff. They exactly. always say words hit harder than a fist. Mm-hmm. Women remember that stuff. Mm-hmm. You can say oh, your feet look big in those shoes, and then she's mm-hmm. gonna remember from like fifty years. Right? <laughs> like, remember that one time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I threw the shoes away. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just bought them, but I threw them yeah, away. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, the group that we're a part of is, it's, um, it's pretty strong and she's a pretty good person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is. Well, and, and it, because domestic violence is prevalent in every, in every community. Mm-hmm. And if they don't see it, then they're blind or they're in the. Ignoring it. Ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A lot of people ignore it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why, like years ago my dad said you have such a mouth like he's like you follow what the holy spirit says and you and do and in the leading but he's like but when you want something to be made known you make it known that's right like i was like that as a kid (laughs) telling Mm -hmm. everybody about jesus when i was a little kid (laughs) so did these uh, i know the first one didn't but did did the rest of these guys profess to be believers believe christian you know christians yes yeah Mm -hmm. um was that their all of them? All of them? <laughs> all of them. Because they knew that that's what you were looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know that's that's the whole thing though. Is they're such uh, narcissists. And they they can see and know exactly who you are mm-hmm. because you're an empath. You know, mm-hmm. and they use it against you. You know, mm-hmm. they just pull on those little heartstrings, and you're like, oh. I'm melting. <laughs> and a narcissist is never wrong. Yeah, they're never wrong. They're psychopaths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, Christy, do you think that your boys, how do they treat women? How do they treat women? They're, one of my boys is a father right. to a daughter, and he's soft and kind, and he did better than I did. You know, mm-hmm. like he's calm and gentle, and both of my boys are very sensitive. So, good, good. But, and you're a grandma. I am a grandma. Oh. Yes, Aww. I know. So it's a gift. It is. So, and I think yeah. you getting counseling helped them. I mean, yeah. you started it early, yeah. and that was good because they seen a lot. They did. So. Yeah, you can't protect them from everything and as a, as a mother what I can say to other um, victims and survivors is the stronger you are the stronger your kids will be yes mm-hmm. and the better you get the better they'll get mm-hmm. and you just got to keep getting better yep. and every day we have an opportunity to do that and keep communication open with your kids yes because yes. that will help them tremendously mm-hmm. and and you know the the in, the um, domestic violence or um, intimate partner violence 
it doesn't, people say, well, I don't, you know, that doesn't affect me. You know, I don't know anybody or, you know, that's not my business if that's happening or, you know, yeah, I hear him fight and I hear her cry or whatever, but, you know, that's none of my business. Well, it is for one thing. Mm -hmm. And I know here in Idaho, we're all mandated reporters, Mm -hmm. you know. I am because I have a license of, in behavioral health, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. We all are yeah. in Idaho. And um, one of the things that when people say, you know, it's not your fault, you know, it's none of my business is this, is that um, our economy, it says that intimate partner violence estimates to cost the U.S. economy between $5.8 billion and $12.6 billion annually. Okay, because of it, because they leave, they they um, don't come to work, mm-hmm. or because they don't aren't productive at work, mm-hmm. or they you know they just disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it it is your problem. Mm-hmm. It's everybody's problem. It affects work production. I noticed that mm-hmm. when I got out of this last one going to work, you just your brain's not functioning. You just yep. like I can't. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, you show me that a million times, but I just don't know. It, it also affects your community. Yes. And the way that children are being taken care of and raised and what they're learning. Mm-hmm. So it affects us all. Yep. Mm-hmm. And because um, it can't not affect it. I mean, we live in a systemic world. And mm-hmm. if it affects one part of that system, it's going to affect every part of that system. Yep. But so is on the flip side. So is the the help that people get. Mm-hmm. and the help that you've gotten, the help that Christy has gotten. And because look what you, what happened with you. You were able to get a house. You were able to get out. Your grandmother helped you. That was, and in your system, you ended up to helping others. Mm-hmm. And so on the flip side, it helps. But I just, I just want, you know, I want people to understand that it is your problem too. Yeah. Speak, say, say something, do something. I mean, uh, you know, I've seen it in at a bar once, you know, Pendleton Roundup, a girl got thrown across the floor by a guy and I ran over close to her. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to say something. And I did. And I told the director to kick him out. He did. He got he got kicked out. But I just I can't stand seeing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that is oh, any any we have 30 seconds. Any last words? Yeah. <laughs> Christy? You're worth more. You deserve more. Get mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Yep. Find out. Yes, there's help out there. Yeah. Talk to Ask. People. And what we're going to do, I think we're, we've decided for that next Friday, we're going to give some tips for um, how to get to, how, what to do, how to prepare, have an emergency bag, and all of that other stuff that we're going to give um, for, our, for our hour next week. So, love you. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abadaddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend.